Welcome to another figure week, park surface week, organic week. Hey everyone, my name is Ahmed Aldouri. I'm a concept artist and former instructor at Art Center College of Design, Brainstorm, CCS, CGMA, and various other places. And I would like to introduce to you this digital painting course that I've created. But before we get into anything, I just wanna thank you for the support you've all given me this whole time. And with the support of so many of you, I've been able to put together everything I know about painting into this digital painting course. You want to become a pro, illustrator, concept artist, or even just a hobbyist, but you don't have a clear map to get there. And that's where I come in. I spent the last six months compiling everything I know from my 20 years of art practice, and I've turned it all into a map, starting with foundations such as rendering shapes, color theory, painting basic subjects, understanding brushwork, brush economy, all that fun stuff, deconstructing the skull, drawing it from every angle, Angle, all the way to master studies, stylized painting, and you'll find yourself at the end of the course doing a concept art project based on everything that we learn in the first 14 lessons. So how does it work? Well, you sign up, you watch the lectures, do the assignments, post them to the community page if you want, and treat it as a self-study, except for those of you who have signed up for the weekly meeting where I personally critique your work in a virtual classroom setting. I believe learning by repetition is super important. That's what I've sort of presented a lot in this course, and the assignments are tailored for that, as adapted from my time teaching at Art Center. And each of these lessons have step-by-step -step explanations in real time. If you've ever seen my videos, you know exactly how I teach. And this course is intended to be a substitute for a college level course, but you don't have to pay the four or $5,000 per class, racking up maybe 200K in debt. With my custom design course, you'd be paying a fraction of that. And of course, I also have payment plan options if you don't want to pay for the whole thing at once. Thank you for watching this and I'll see you soon. Hey guys and welcome back to Digital Artcast, um, another episode coming at you thick and fast off the back of our last one with Lauren Lanning. Um, it's been a little bit of a gap between episodes, um, generally just things going on in the world and then my schedule has meant that I haven't had um, as much time as I've wanted to this month so um, I'm always looking to get an episode out at least once a month. Um, I've tried to do that consistently for a long time and 
um yeah just again try and get people's schedules aligned has always been difficult because uh the world is the way it is and people are obviously busy with loads of projects and and, and the, the work and, and time and everything else in between um but again uh we have uh, put together another great guest for today um someone that um i've liked to speak to on the podcast for um quite a while um again try to align schedules is always difficult but we've got there in the end um so yeah today uh let me introduce um our guest uh mr eric nielsen hey eric thank you hey hey man yeah yeah yeah, good to have you here man it's it's been a long time coming it feels like it's uh one of these things where um i think we started talking really early on through our kind of uh common friend uh johan yeah that was like what ages ago yeah three years ago or something like that yeah Yeah, probably more than that really Uh, eric was uh someone who just jumped into a painting night one night we were just kind of doing a study and uh johan was like oh here's my buddy eric like we're gonna do some painting i was like oh cool like yeah we'll hang out and, and chat and uh now you're a big fancy art director at a major game studio <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of crazy it's been a really wild ride the last few years but um you've earned it man you've, congratulations Thank on you. our success so far and, and yeah congratulations on the game it's it's, it's been a, a huge success also so yeah it's been yeah a- thanks yeah it's gonna be uh really fun to see where we're you know how high we can take it kind of. yeah of course um so for people who don't know you um can you give a little brief uh introduction of who you are and what you're doing yeah absolutely uh yes yeah, so my name is eric i uh studied game like way back like i i started studying like uh game development and and art and stuff when i was um like 15 16 or something uh and then i i went to uh the, the game assembly there's a big uh big game school in uh, malmo in sweden where we do yeah, it's like a pretty intense uh, education you do like um two years full-on projects like uh not really a lot of theoretical work more like practical work yeah, yeah. uh it's a really really good school and then um then after that, I did my internship at Massive. Uh, nice. So I did some um, worked on some concept art for the division uh, way back. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of a funny story because I actually got my internship at uh, another studio that I uh, I really wanted to do my internship at uh, called Southend. Right. Um, I've done a, a lot of smaller mid tier games, but they have like a fun like I anyone that knows me knows that I I love. You know, creature design and mm-hmm. more fantastical stuff and, and things like that, and, and they had like a good mix of all that stuff. So I was really excited. I think like um, I, a week or two after uh, uh, I got the um, the internship there, uh, you know, I hadn't really heard anything, and then the guy uh, called me up and said, "Yeah, so the studio uh, studio is no more." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, do you want to? Yeah, I was like, yeah. Uh, but we're all getting uh, bought up by Massive. Do you want to tag along? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. do that instead. Yeah. I mean, Massive in terms of Sweden is one of the biggest studios um, that really exists there. I mean, there are, there's obviously yeah. there's, there's a good few studios, but Massive is a massive studio. It's funny how the world, the, the, yeah. the name has really matched their, their their scale because the vision is such a huge thing now. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, but it was uh, it was uh, it was a crazy crazy thing. Uh, it was sort of a great team to to be a part of. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, even with uh, when Johan when I first met him, I think he was still at um, Dice, um, yeah. doing yeah. some stuff there as well. And they're obviously they're in Sweden as well and worked in Battlefront, you know, 
um it was one of his, his first gigs before he went elsewhere but um yeah it seems a lot of people who came out of that school really went through really cool projects yeah i mean there's there's loads of good schools in sweden um uh, i think well a big reason for it is that we have the we have a lot of funding for arts uh you know the different art schools so there's a lot That's of good yeah like big uh big bands um like metal bands like uh, you've probably heard of a few like ghost or in flames or oh cool yeah yeah i'm a big influence uh, man yeah yeah, I met uh, of yeah 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 uh but also you know game game developments loads of good game developments and one of the best ones i would say is the game assembly because it's very um practical so is that the one that johan also went to as well or no i don't think he actually went to that i think he went to um i don't know if it was kind of soph maybe which is uh, yeah. uh it was like a kind of game assembly prototype you could right. say yeah um, yeah, I think it's, it was definitely one of them. I can remember way back in the day, they talk about going to something similar after he'd done his, his formal uh, education. But um, it seems to be a, a, a thing that's needed because the skill gap is so huge when you leave traditional school that you kind of need these qualified courses because, um, you know, unless you want to push that really yourself, um, it, it's hard to find those those mentors or those skills that or those um, opportunities to push your, your, your skill set forward. And Yeah, I think... I mean, I think one of the most important things is that there's a lot of schools out there that, like, what you really need is you need mentorship and you need, like, the time to actually sit and practice your skill sets. Um, yeah. and, and, and then what you need as well is, like, a good portfolio and, like, how to make a portfolio. And after that, you need to, um, to actually uh, get an internship somewhere or, you know, like, a job, uh, preferably. But... Super uh, simple. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But I think what what, yeah, what's so good I mean like what's so good about that school is the fact that they basically have two years, there's no theoretical work, no like necessarily like homework. So exams and stuff, right? Yeah, you, you work your ass off for two years. Uh, you do eight game projects with, with a team. So you actually like get to learn how to work in teams, how to figure things out. People script their own game engines, you know, like there's, there's so much you do. You do full on shooters or 3D and 2D and everything. And, um, and then at the end of it, you basically have a pretty cool portfolio and then they do a meet and greet where they invite a bunch of people over from um, the game industry and you get together and meet them and there's like 30 40 companies that come and try and snatch every one of these students. yeah yeah um, and then i mean then you you, you get an internship uh, and so that's that's probably the best thing about school is the connection they have to the industry yeah but yeah yeah, I think it's, it's it's the same with uh even big places like if you go on the extreme end like nomon you know one of their placement rate uh, percentages is something like 95 percent but that's because within la obviously you have access to some of the biggest studios in the world and the guys who teach there typically are already working as well in a studio so yeah you know, if they get a particular student they see has some potential then they'll just like fire them into the the, mm-hmm. the studio that they're working at you know it's, it's one of these things where um you know these opportunities didn't come along uh often but if you find yourself in the right school at the right time then you know, you're almost kind of thrust into that. So, um, yeah, yeah. But essentially, uh, I think like after, um, so, so I, I was a concept artist uh, back then, and uh, I've, I've always been a bit of a 3D generalist. Like, I, I love doing uh, rigging and animation and 
you know, like just learning different things and it's him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and I, I honestly think it's been one of my biggest strengths is uh, like I know a lot of people specialize, especially if you want to work on a AAA studio because right. Yeah, they, then obviously like they they need a guy to do characters. You don't yeah. need to also do buildings, but yeah. uh, but I think like a big reason why I've I've managed to get somewhere, I guess, is uh, because I've been had that interest for different different skill sets and different departments, and that ob- obviously means that you can uh, like you learn what other people are doing, and you can work really well with a uh, with a team that does different things. So I don't know. Yeah, there was that. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the, the name of the. Oh, yeah, Range. There's a really good book um, by, I think it's the David Epstein. Yeah, called Range. And one of my buddies, Derek uh, Westlake, uh, turned me on it. And he was talking about it's a, it's a book basically how uh, journalists will win out in a, a specialized world. Um, and he talks about how, you know, there's so many people out there who will specialize in one particular thing, but they then fall victim to. Uh, you know anything outside of their the realm of understanding um they become exponentially weaker because you know they, they can't really um you know duck and weave to, to whatever the, you know the situation that changes because you know if, if they had to do something where their skill set had to be changed like we need somebody to quickly do something else you know they're almost just useless yeah because they're going to do one thing and one thing good so um yeah. and obviously people who specialize can obviously sometimes you know they may have a, a, an idea of maybe like oh maybe could do something like that or, or change slightly but if it's too much diverse from what they're doing right now, then yeah, they kind of they kind of flounder um, because it's it's something they haven't prepared for. So yeah, yeah it's, it's one of these decisions I think you have to make early on about what kind of developer you want to be. You know, do you want to go all in in one skill or do you want to have a, a wide gamut of stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's not like you have to either, uh, like you can also be, oh, I love doing characters and that's going to be my main thing. But then I'm also interested in doing something else and uh, I'll keep an eye on it. And I like, you don't have to be a master on every skill either. Like, I think that's that's like an important thing to notice that Mm -hmm. I don't have to be an elite, you know, uh, like I, I do bouldering and climbing and stuff. I don't have to be. The, you know the, the best climber in the world right uh, enjoy it yeah yeah but i enjoy it and i, I learned a lot from it and, uh, and i mean why not uh, same thing mm-hmm. you learn a little bit of i don't know design uh then you can you can talk to the concept artist more easily or yeah but in any case i uh from there on i um i worked at paradox for a bit as concept artist i did cool. uh yeah, i worked on the stellaris game the low spaceships and stuff which was fun um and then after that uh i uh i got actually a, a friend of mine uh sarah uh that sarah Cassian that i've known for a long time she um she called me up and she was like hey me and my friend joan we're uh, gonna start the studio sarah do you wanna do you know anyone that would uh want to tag along as an uh, art person and i was like well, i want to tag along as an art person <laughs> and then I just uh, I joined yeah. that train. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I I always wanted to do like an indie thing. So right, and was that the the Lake Ridden thing you done? Yeah, so that was like a, a small like mist like uh, um, puzzle game we did over the course of like uh, three years or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, like it looks like online. I mean, only researched it really quickly, but it did look like you know for the. Um, the small amount of time that you you were on it, or or you know, the, or the thing that you'd say, even that it was a bit, you know, a smaller game, it, it did look like you know, 
no, maybe no triple A quality, but it did look like it was like there was a lot of effort put in it. That it was a big, a big project as well. So yeah, I think it was also like it's one of those projects we would probably do a bit differently if we uh, if we did it now. But uh, with the skill set and stuff we learned, but it's definitely like a, a really fun project and like good learning experience. And I mean, considering we're like five people, it was. Uh, oh yeah, people. well then you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> five people, like you know, looks really good. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, with two people doing all the uh, the writing, the puzzle, the, the game design, and the um, the coding, and then uh, wow. me and uh, another guy, Anton, we, we did all the art, uh, like Jesus every single Christ. piece. Um, it was uh, it was a lot of work, uh, especially since it was three D and you know. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. So so that was, that was yeah. Cool. I mean, like extremely well done. I mean, like I mean. I know people always say they're quite impressed the fact that the two game jams I done, you know, there was only three people. There was me, an artist, and two coders. Um, and we had four days, and we, we tend to do like it was really cool stuff. It, I mean, that definitely opened my eyes to a different side of the world because of game jams. It definitely does um, give you experience that you're not used to because I think until you finally make something and put it out in the world, you can't really understand the whole development process of of making something. Um, yeah. But yeah, like it's for five people. That's that's very impressive. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was fun for sure and then of course uh the big one which is uh shark mob you know yeah yeah so uh so we, we we ran our little indie company for a while and we still have it but uh you know it wasn't enough to uh to be able to survive on essentially of course. you know it's it's uh i think we we, we kind of joined or we, we decided to make a game when um it was the whole kind of Firewatch, and you know, like there was all those early um, indie games, right? That uh, that were doing really well, and then uh, you know, you had green light and stuff, and um, suddenly the floodgates were open, kind of on uh, on Steam, and uh, yeah, and it was pretty hard to to you know like survive on on small single player story driven indie games. So uh, yeah, yeah. So actually, I um. I knew a few people from Sharkmob before. I knew Rodrigo, the studio art director, a bit. Um, okay. Uh, he was one of the um, like the people who founded Sharkmob are the uh, the core uh, the core team behind the division originally. Oh, okay, um, right. And they um, so, so I, I knew him a bit from before, and it, and it seemed like a cool you know studio. I wanted to check out what they did, and and uh, I uh, I got invited up. I think it was me, Sarah, and Joan. We got invited up uh, to their uh, studio back when they had like there were like ten people in like a small apartment, uh, and uh, he showed me the video, and it was Vampire Masquerade. And uh, cool. to me, it was like you know I love Vampire Masquerade. I play the Bloodlines like so much. Same. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was like, you know, I, I I was just at that point, you know, I we weren't sure like like. Looking back at it, clearly he was he was like being you know come work for us kind of, but but at that point you know we were still doing like written and stuff, but but it was yeah. just really really cool to see that someone was finally making something with that IP because at this point you know the uh, like Bloodlines two and all of that stuff that wasn't announced there was not like I didn't know anything about that. Of course, so, yeah. Um, so I, this is the first VTM game. Like video game that I, I seen someone trying to make the, for the last fifteen years or whatever, and I was just super happy that someone was finally doing it. Yeah, vampires kind of 
had a bad rap for a while because of the whole Twilight thing and you know like there wasn't really any um good vampire IPs coming out and I think people thought that it was kind of a passe thing like you know I mean the biggest influences I would say vampire wise for me the last you know couple of decades has been the underworld movies which mm. were extremely well written well I mean, the first maybe two but um you know i was actually also a very big fan of the legacy of kane series which was legacy of kane is my one one of my all-time favorites oh, it is. yeah like the soul reaver is just a masterpiece in my opinion like i would love to meet uh amy hennig one day i mean i know she's been <laughs> so many years writing uncharted but her first crystal dynamics work and and yeah. legacy of kane was just incredible and yeah um soul reaver and all that kind of stuff and yeah like that whole story for for a long long time really inspired me um the way that the time travel stuff worked and back and forth and characters in it and raziel and um yeah it's informed a lot of stuff i've done so far but yeah like i was one of the big components like when i first got on twitch i think back in 2014 maybe earlier um at the time nosgoth was was kind of um in its infancy and i was uh heavily involved in the betas and the open access stuff and trying to really nail that stuff down and uh i was really gutted when that kind of died um and just yeah, yeah. never came back um it was quite it, it was uh it was probably a little ahead of its time actually like if you yep. consider uh yeah, where the industry was heading of course uh, yeah 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 definitely you know just the wrong time the wrong place for that studio but um yeah. but yeah but so obviously when i found out what you guys were doing i was like oh wow you know this could be a whole uh <laughs> whole new chapter. Yeah, yeah a whole new chapter of, of the vampire you know pvp stuff and um but an interesting take you guys you know kind of went with with the whole um super powered kind of aspect and the fact that you know it's not kind of it's pvp in a sense but it's you know but obviously in Osgoth it was it was 5v5 it was humans versus vampires but in this thing it's vampire v vampire but it's obviously you've got it specifically between the clans that's the whole thing now of of uh you know um how you've kind of angled it and obviously the the not just the clans but the archetypes as well that you know in the whole thing that that works with as well it's, i mean it's super interesting like there's, there's you could probably do a whole podcast in just the game like because there's just <laughs> such depth there right there's just so much um within it because when you say like the 1v100 you know people kind of say oh you know it's been done to death and, and stuff but mm-hmm. um i think they get the twist you guys have taken on it is what makes it really super unique right yeah i think i think like uh the best thing about our game is the verticality and the movement system that's that's what really sets it apart i think and and obviously the vampire abilities and stuff but the, the funny thing about our game like blood hunt is that when we started development on it uh and i you know i came in like a year maybe one and a half into the produ- actual production i think yeah. so we were around 34 people when i joined um, oh, wow. Yeah, it was like a, a tiny, we had uh, like essentially one room, mm-hmm. a few meeting rooms, and everyone was just cluttered together. It was, it was great. I, I love that part of the yeah, development. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think I think one of the coolest things about that thing is that, so, so Apex wasn't out yet. Right. There was no, basically, um, I think during our early days, Fortnite turned from a uh from the the original game that it was from a survival thing yeah yeah to actual the battle royale game so so you know it's 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 kind of funny when you think about game development because it takes so much time and all you can do is sort of say we think this is going to be good in a few years right and this is a good idea let's let's go for it and then you know uh by the time you release it because Uh it takes so many years you're like 
you know, oh, okay, yeah, there was a bunch of other games that thought the same, and now yeah, we have yeah. to compete with them. Oh, <laughs> but, of course, yeah. But then, of course, they open the space and the doors for for you know that audience to come in because then again, as soon as people look at it, they think, oh, I know this type of game. I've I've played this before. I've played you know Fortnite. I've played Apex. I've played whatever. Um, and uh, and yeah, like it, it does, it helps. But then again, at the same time, like you say, those people are then your direct competition. So then you're trying to fight for those player bases because you know you're wanting them to come play your game. And um, I think it's one of these things where. Um, you guys were on definitely a winning streak but then it's also where these things we like you know vampires are super niche in a sense where you know you're not get everybody your common call of duty player would, would maybe be into playing as a vampire like they'll be like oh vampires you know what's going on but you know it's 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 trying to get a mass appeal to a very niche subject i mean even in any medium vampires is definitely a, a niche but um and same with werewolf same with mermaid same with anything really that's the, of that fiction but um, but you guys seem to be doing well. I mean, it's, it, every time I see it, your player base seems to be getting larger and larger. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, uh, we, we just have to keep going, kind of. But, but I, I think what's kind of interesting about it is that um, early on, when they were originally uh, looking at the concept, and you know, should we do this or should we not do this? Yeah, yeah. I think one thing they looked at is that there is a few of these tropes that keep kind of coming back into the general public that are these kind of strong uh, stories uh, or strong fantasies. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them is vampires. One of them is like post-apocalyptic Mad Max. Uh, you know, one yeah, of them yeah. is pirates. There, <laughs> there's, a, there's a bunch of these, you know, fantasies that... that keep they, going around. Yeah, yeah, they do cycles. They, they never really go away. Yeah. Um, and, and I think vampires is one of those. If you look at the massive amount of of um stuff that's been coming out the last yeah. few years you know and obviously you got the big ones like blade and underworld right. but you also got lost boys and like a bunch of like smaller kind of st- or like you know less known to the general yeah public. of course but, so i'm i'm i think it's definitely like one more niche thing but it's mm. it's not that at the same time yeah of course there is an audience for it yeah i mean well twilight in a sense was a vampire film but like yeah the the audience for for that was there was millions of people that watched those films i mean there were huge audiences and um but one of my first experiences watching um vampire films when i was really young was uh, probably an age i shouldn't have watched it was interview with a vampire oh yeah tom cruise so yeah like a lot of people i think have romanticized vampires uh since bram stoker's stuff way back in the day um and uh even castlevania recently where her house remaking that series like it was fucking incredible dude like it was such a good animation Um, there's a lot of vampire stuff coming out right now there's uh, obviously all the vtm games and uh blood hunt and then there's uh i I think like another swedish developer who made like a vampire like a a small yeah yeah they were just in the news (laughs) they were in the news recently for not great reasons yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a whole thing came out basically about um how the game had been super successful but they basically weren't paying people who were working for them um so yeah i think it's a french studio i think that made that one um but uh but yeah yeah there is there is a ton of stuff coming out and it's uh and then obviously the masquerade like there's uh you know bloodlines 2 is still due to be coming out at one point as well so um um so that would be a whole thing hopefully that might then reinvigorate your audience again because you know the, the licenses are, are, are tied within the same universe so um it hopefully would give you guys another another boost um, um in player base and then and, and, and obviously uh, uh media cycle as well you know for for stuff that's uh related to that so yeah i mean it's it's a whole thing that um i think like you said the verticality is one of the things you need to get right as well and, and the art direction is, is crazy good as well like i think it's one of these things where it was difficult right because um like you said you know 
the Masquerade game, the original one that we all kind of played back in the day at this point was like early 2000s when they came out and yeah, yeah. art direction, especially even just games have just evolved so much, right? Like bringing that IP into the 21st century must have been a whole team effort, of course. It yeah, was. yeah, it was, uh, it, was uh, it was very interesting. Like uh, one of the, the, the key things we wanted to, to look at when we looked at the original art direction was uh, obviously it's a 90s game and we wanted to do a little bit more of a, like a modern take on it with, uh, you know, a little bit of an HBO-like style almost, you know, like... Uh, yeah, yeah. Like the, the sort of, uh, we have this thing we call the, the blood flow, which is the, the, it's one of the trailers, it's like entirely made in blood flow or, or the intro, the intro video, it's on YouTube. Right. And um, and it's it's this, it's almost like one of those kind of HBO intros. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like you're in, in a microcosmos of blood sort of. And yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of cool, cool ideas and cool stuff we did. But the funny thing about, you know, the 90s and fashion and stuff uh, is that ultimately, it's coming back, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, of course. Right, yeah. right now we're in like an early two thousands uh, trend era right. again. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting how that kind of keeps going. Everything comes around in cycles. Yeah, I mean, like definitely, you look at the art world in general, and and it's just kind of taking ideas from the originally where they were, and then recycling them, and then putting out, you know, trying to make something new of what was and what could be. And um, I think with vampires, it's, it's definitely generally harder as well because. Not every vampire is the same. Like you said, when you start to introduce, like, the clans especially, like, they all have their own look, you know, like the Bruja and stuff and Nosferatu, like, they all have their own particular style and drape and, and um, like, um, yeah, like, it's one of these things where you're designing just a myriad of characters and different styles and different, you know, class levels and stuff like that. It's it's, it's a lot of work, um, especially when your game is so heavily character-based, right? It's kind of like uh, Overwatch or Apex, like you said, when you have champions, like it's the same kind of thing where, you know, every one has to feel unique, right? Every single one has to feel like they can exist on their own and then their own person. Um, I, I mean, it's something maybe you guys have done um, in a sense where you've not done the kind of champion thing where like every vampire is its own character, right? They have like a backstory, a whole thing going on. It's more just like, the clans are more the focus than actually the individuals, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the one of the interesting things, partly, is that VTM is what well, what's cool about the clans is that this, there's essentially a vampire for everyone, right? You know, there's you want to play the big kind of tough warriors, but like with the nobility and bravery, and you know, like then then you got the Bruja if you want to play a blood sorcerer, you got Tremere if you want to yeah, play, you know, and so on. Like pretty vampire, you got the Torador. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's a bunch of these different uh, archetypes and you know different different clans, and that's really the strength of the, the IP, I think. Um, but what's sort of cool about it is that uh, when we started working on it, like you know, like it was a lot of work, but but it's you know, like there there are already already so so strongly defined styles and looks that it's a, it's more a matter of how do we interpret this and and uh, you know obviously why, with respect to the source material and of stuff. course and, yeah, yeah. It, it was a lot of fun for sure and it's going to be a lot of fun as we add more and more clans to the game yeah it was one of these things that every time i met up with johan at an event i was <laughs> i was saying how's the mysterious ip project that you can never talk about going he was like oh, oh yeah, yeah it's fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> if, you know for the longest time you're saying to yourself what the fuck are you working on it must be something yeah. really good and he's like oh yeah i'll be really just waiting and uh, uh when yeah. i announced them on that halloween uh 
last year was it two years ago now you announced it or last year i can't it's remember like now. last year it would have been yeah, yeah. My, my brain is a blur at this point. yeah it's, i'm the uh... same the days are merging together but um but yeah like um that was i was it totally caught me by surprise i was like holy shit like you know i actually think there's a there's a clip of me in, on twitch reacting to it um when you guys announced it and i think it was the game awards or, or one of those things yeah game awards i'm pretty sure yeah yeah, yeah yeah and uh i was watching and then i was like oh shark mom here we go right cool cool what's happening and uh i saw the trailer i was like oh holy shit vampire <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally unexpected because like you said that you know the game hadn't existed and really had, or like that ip hadn't existed for such a long time i think it yeah. did catch people by surprise that were like uh well there was two ways that i seen on youtube it was like people reacting to it like oh my god vampire because they were old enough to remember the, the original game and then also people being like vampire the masquerade what the fuck is this you know yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 never yeah. heard of it before so um yeah, yeah. And also like kind of uh people being sort of what the fuck have you done with my favorite ip which is which is also like a yeah. you know a fun thing because yeah i mean i kind of get that you know like i, I personally like i'm i'm uh everyone expects a different game than you give them yeah, but it's also like, you know, it's the strong single-player roots and stuff. And, and yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. what, what we're really trying to do is show that we, we love the IP as well and we respect yeah. it. And we just want to, there's like, there's enough room in the uh, in the IP for more than one kind of story to be told. In right, a way. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you look at the, like, most VTM games are going to be the classic sort of, um, you know, vampires in political you know like societies and there's like uh you know a way more slow paced and more manipulative kind of story going on and this is this is just the sort of the all-out war scenario that happens right it happens rarely yeah i mean like the whole even people when they they look at the name they 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 don't understand what the masquerade is right and it's it's something that people don't take into consideration about vampires in modern society about how they have to hide from humans and it's a whole thing like if you break the masquerade you know you can, can die and stuff like that but um that is something that was key in gameplay as well it wasn't just something you talked about like it was an actually occurring thing that happened within gameplay if you broke it you know you'll get like a red mark on your back like people will be after you like you can't break the masquerade it's still a thing that's going on even during wartime um so it's like a whole thing you guys brought into that as well which is great because then it's again like you said it's staying so close to the source material and yeah. um being faithful to what the game is or the story of the lord is really about so yeah yeah and i mean i i I love i really love this like ip it's it's such a cool world and it's it's essentially a basis for a lot of the game like movies that i love like underworld and yeah and uh blade so being able to work on it is kind of like a dream country like when i when i was a kid there was like you know when i first played world of warcraft i was like mmos are great uh if i could work on an mmo in my lifetime that would be amazing, and and I'm kind of working on that now. Like we're not quite yeah, an MMO yeah. or anything. We're we're a VR game, but we're still like a live service multiplayer mm. multiplayer game, and we have the opportunity to be able to take this game and actually, you know, evolve it over multiple seasons. There's so much crazy shit. I know. Well, I was I was just going to say that people talk about like the whole you know how Masquerade is so rooted in single player, but. The thing is as well that um, if you look at Apex even back in the day, and like we yeah. just talked about Fortnite, right? When that first started, about what that looked like in, versus now with fucking Spider-Man and Naruto and everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but like, you know, if you look at those things as they evolved, they changed so dramatically. And even Apex initially, the champions weren't what they are now. Like, you know, the whole thing with the stories and every time there's a new season, there's a new cinematic explaining stuff. And um, there's always room if the game does well and you evolve it to, constantly change how you guys deliver the service and 
you know expand on, on that whole thing as well and honestly i think like one of the most fun things is actually working on like i really like working on live service games it's stressful and crazy and you know like you're like i think the thing that people don't consider is that you're not just working on the content that's coming out next week you're working on you're essentially splitting yourself in three like you're working mm-hmm. on the game as it is right now you know potential problems that arise bugs you know what's like uh making sure that the store is working and all those things and, mm-hmm. and supporting the players as things are coming developing patches fixes and all kinds of stuff but then you're also working on what's coming next you're working on the upcoming stuff right and then you're also working on what's coming next next you know and what's yeah. coming next 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 essentially like you you have to keep working uh, on multiple levels in into the future because yeah, you're gonna get there pretty fast like you know game yeah. development takes time and four months between you know whatever releases or something as it usually is with live service games or four five six months i don't i don't know it depends on what sort of game but all of those are uh you know like all of that is essentially very little time to actually do anything around yeah yeah I mean, if you know how, how long time it takes to, because cause it's not just, you know, it's not the waterfall. Like, you don't develop games waterfall. You don't develop games by, and if you don't know what waterfall is, yeah, like, you, you know, obviously, but, <laughs> you know, waterfall is the, the idea that you, you plan something out to perfection and you say, this is exactly the game we're going to make and do, do, yeah. do, do. And then you execute it and it goes down like a waterfall. Yeah, that, yeah. It doesn't happen in software development. It's like a River Rapids tour. That's what it's like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a freaking, and there's twists and turns, and you iterate, yeah. like iterate a lot on things. And you, the only thing you can do is say, "This is probably the best direction." This is our guess mm-hmm. is that this is going to be good, and then you try that, and many times you say, "Yeah, that was almost correct." Sometimes it's not correct at all. Sometimes you fail catastrophically, and you, yeah, you have course. to, you know, redo your your assessment and your plan and scrap things and stuff. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a pretty wild ride, but I I really like it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, think that's uh, good with. It, I mean, it happens. It happens so much within you know even within game jams and, and the turnaround for that's even shorter. But mm-hmm. you know, it's not even the waterfall effect. It's the thing where like you can go back up the waterfall. You know, you could design a character really early on, and then you feel like right, okay, this is the iteration, and you've you, you've you know you've designed it so many times that you're kind of you're seeing double, and then it goes back down. To production who make even get them maybe get to the point of making the first model and then they're sitting saying oh, you know it's not really working something's missing and then you have to go all the way back to sketching again like you know yeah. it's one of these things where you think to yourself right that's done shipped off and then you start working on something else and something comes back to you that you've, you've worked on months ago and you're like oh god like you know like <laughs> try to get your brain back in that that mode of like oh, where was i when i made this guy like what was i thinking about and yeah, it's, yeah. that's also a uh a complication even when you design levels around things that you think will be fun and then you play it and you're like oh shit man this isn't fun (laughs) like what do we do now fuck you know we've only got a couple of weeks or something or yeah Um, yeah and i I think that's one of the the most challenging part is when you're just like this has to be out and uh and and you know tested in in two weeks mm -hmm. you know how do we solve this issue because you know it's not just like you know it's it's not just uh you make the thing and then you release it no like you have to make it in in 
like in good time so that there's a buffer window, which is almost like half the production for, yep. you know, QA quality assurance to check for bugs. Because, <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, exactly. And, and like, um, you know, stability for the coders to actually make it stable enough to run properly. And I mean, the, the, the bugs that you see in games, that's the stuff that, got through the net the wide nets i mean most most of the stuff is is just destroyed before it reaches you but if you don't yeah. have that quality assurance time then i mean there's some things even things you can just never plan for like people just walking off your maps entirely like with some things yeah. that are, you know collisions and stuff are off and you're just on the wrong totally wrong side of the map or they crash the game because of it and you're just like how how the hell like yeah, where yeah. come from like you know it's um i mean definitely some of my earliest friends in the industry were the guys at cd project and you know the whole thing with cyberpunk you know and 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 it's a shame because i know how hard they worked on the art direction i know a lot of the guys like marik and stuff who really killed themselves making that game look amazing and you know it was just the whole press release of that first cycle was just all the bugs like people just they couldn't talk about anything else yeah. and um it's one of these things when you work in games you know you could make the best art ever and it looks like the prettiest game in the world but like if it plays like shit <laughs> like yeah. you know you're fucked there's nothing you can do you know and, and first impressions are usually the only thing you'll ever get you don't get a, a really a, a good chance of it you know oh, no. i mean there's definitely examples of games having a, a second wind but it's rare right yeah yeah, yeah even games like um what's that called the uh, the space game uh, a couple of years ago that, oh that yeah is... uh uh oh, no one's guy no one's yeah, guy. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. It's like that game. I was so stoked for that. I was so pumped for that. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, like all the all the problems and everything. And of course, yeah. Yeah. I I I didn't feel like buying it after that. But, yeah. um, but look at it now. Like yeah, wow. Yeah. It's really cool. I mean, I'm happy. I'm really happy for. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, Hollow Games. I think I've really turned that. I mean, but it was funny when Sean he done a talk about it recently. Um, I mean, good on him. Like he, but he talked about how when they released that game the press was so negative and there was so much just darkness in the world that over there, what was that what happened yeah. that uh, they basically just shut the doors and the windows and just were like right cool let's get to work on the game let's finish it let's make it good and then just you know like everybody turned their twitter off direct all oh, the hate mail to me i'll deal with it let's just finish making the game let's get it done and they done it they basically just shut their doors and delivered on what they originally promised it took them a while obviously but um yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely so many people I think would have cut and run and, and yeah. never went back. So, no, I think it's awesome. I think they, they did an awesome job. Uh, yeah, definitely. And it's one of these things, like you said, it's when it's a live game and, you know, you're not delivering a single-player experience, you're not going to, like, put it out into the world and, like, there you go, it's done, enjoy. You know, you're constantly clipping things over and changing things and updating and tweaking, you know, every tiny little bit of gameplay that... um you, you get feedback from the players and we need to change this and change this and then that goes out and then the patch you release might you know fix one thing but break three other things so you're like oh shit you know and it's yeah live service games are um they're, they're, a, they're a different beast you know like there's uh eventually when you've worked on a live service game long enough most people are like oh what i wouldn't give to work on a single player game right now you know like multiplayer you're a single player game and then you're like oh i want to work on a live service game again yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean that's that's how it is yeah, yeah. But, but, but i just uh, I, yeah, yeah i really love the i really love the live service part i i like that you can work directly with the players you can you can work your ass off to produce something cool you put it out, right? And you have a clear deadline. It's like this shit got to be out in like four months or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or whatever. And then you work on that, 
you put it out and you get to see what people think and hope hope that they like it i mean that's that's yeah. the thing right but but uh you know you have that versus working five years in pre-production hell on a game yeah. that might not come out or or you know like yeah. it's and it will be changed like every single game gets changed at yeah. least five times almost completely like in in pre-production that's like the more it, common tale in our industry that's more what happens than the kind of fantasy you've lived where you've actually worked on something that's came out and it's been successful yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly very rare so yeah. but, but then mean, again yeah i was yeah, going to yeah. say like for you for you being an art director as well for the maybe not the first time but like it was your proper first big like major studio role as an art director like yeah. was that intimidating for you like i mean considering you hadn't had like such a huge thing before right like on, not on that scale right definitely definitely i mean uh, if you're i, I remember um talk to uh, i talked to rodrigo the our, our studio or my boss the studio art director uh when i when i became uh art director um i think when i first became associate art director and and he was like he was asking me how i was feeling about it and i was like you know, I'm not gonna lie. I feel a bit, you know, intimidated by it, and it def- definitely feels like I have um, uh, a little bit of uh, what's it called? Um, imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah, imposter yeah. syndrome. Yeah. And he said, if you didn't have imposter syndrome, I would be very worried. Of course. <laughs> so, no, no, 100. percent I agree. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Which, which I think is definitely, definitely how it should be. Like, uh, so, so yeah, it was. It's definitely intimidating. It's uh, there's a lot of things counting on. Uh, yeah, like, you yeah. yeah but like i mean it's the whole team right it's not just it's not me like i i think but but there's definitely like a lot of responsibility uh, one thing that that i think is great about the way we work and the way we want to work with uh with our our people uh is that our job as art directors are not to boss people around of course we're we're there to make sure that like if if you think of like a racing track you know like mm-hmm. The team is the people driving the cars. We're we're the mechanics, you know. We're course, we're yeah. there to help them when they need help, to make sure that they they have what they need in order to uh, to do their best out there. Uh, and and th- that's how it should be, I think. Like the we we should be the ones we're supporting. We're the support role, you know. Yes. Um, so I mean, so that's, at, that's been really fun. Yeah, you look at most marketing and management courses that revolve around teams. It's like every management role is always to serve the people you're working for you, you know you're working for them essentially is what is you know it's what people will always say that's the thing that always comes down to every single course i've ever seen when people go into talking about managing people it's that you know you're not bossing them about you're you're working for them you're making sure that they have everything they need to do their job and more yeah. um like uh, my friend Sarah, uh, the funny thing is both Sarah and Joanne, who uh, who I started the studio with, uh, well, but back when we were doing our little indie studio, right? They uh, they are both on Shark Mob now uh, as well, and um, Sarah's producer and Joanne is a uh, lead uh, gameplay programmer, I think, or lead programmer. Yeah. Um, but what what Sarah is usually says is that a producer is a person that they're they're like the the snow you know snowmobile that's or like what's it called like when you're like the the big kind of you know machine going and, oh. and huh? 
Snowplow, you mean? Like, yeah, yeah, snowplow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, their producers are like the snowplow. They're, they're essentially just clearing clear the, the road so that yeah, yeah, you know yeah. everyone can can do their stuff. Or that's how it should be, really. Um, mm. And uh, I think that's a good analogy for uh, also for what I do, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it's great in these kind of companies where, you know, I think if the culture is good enough, you feel that you can you can not only enter it with a bit of positive attitude that you're going to be appreciated uh, as an individual but also you have an opportunity to move up and on and, and and do different things and you know explore new disciplines and i mean like we were talking about you know our common friend johan um who we met through and you know he has now went from ui to concept you know like yeah. he made the jump and um which is great for him because uh i know that was something he was chasing for a long, long time you know he was enjoying his role in 2d like uh, as a ui artist uh, which is crazy because uh you know those people are so in demand like crazy like you know you just you, know, yeah. like, you can't find them anywhere but um concept I, was... that, I mean that was essentially like the biggest reason why it did go faster i think for him because he was doing such a good job essentially of course yeah, yeah. We, we really needed him uh to help out with ui because it's, Makes sense. it's so hard to get people uh especially people that are technical and so on but yeah uh yeah it, uh, i'm really happy that he finally managed to like that we we got enough people hired to handle the ui department so that right. he could he could move on make yeah. the transition because yeah it's been a long time dream of his i mean it's one of these things where i mean we talked about this um off air before we started recording about how you know you were um impressed about following my journey with, with the 3d and stuff and then thanks for that by the way that's, mm-hmm. that's always a great thing to hear um but 2D is always at the back of my mind as well. And I think it's one of these things that a lot of people always have this dream of being concept artists and concept designers and um, even just illustrators. And uh, I'm always trying to ask my question, why is that important to me? But um, I think it's the the idea that you can create worlds and stories from your imagination. I think it you can do it in a sense with 3D, but I think being able to put pen soul to paper and and create that whole illusion yourself, I think is something that's rare but when i was talking to marek maji uh the other day from cd project he was saying that he was talking to one of his students and he said that um the concept world now is almost as difficult as trying to get work as an actor you know would you feel that's fair um i think to a certain degree uh i think the main thing about concept art that is really confusing people uh is that a lot of people see these really great paintings, you know, and they see these amazing work. Um, promotional stuff, the market and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and that's kind of my point as well. A lot of times it is the promotional work. It's the it's things that have been polished up afterwards to sell the game or, or in any, or in some cases, you know, like um, they hired basically a really, really good freelance artist like Jamie Jones. Uh, oh, yeah. Whatever. Right. <laughs> uh, Jamie is like my all time. Hired in Jamie, then well done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if I could work with Jamie on anything, I would be happy. Oh, God, happy. Yeah. But uh, in any case, um, um, yeah, like. Um, uh, if he, you're hiring these guys to do your illustrations, then yeah, they're not going to be concepts in a sense that you're doing concepts. No, right? no, exactly. I mean, they still they they can still do the work. Like, of course, they're still oh, designers. Yeah, yeah. Like, but they're people. yeah, but but they're not like the kind of work that you see. Those big paintings, they're there to set a mood, uh, you know, a general feeling for the team to rally around. They're essentially like a vertical slicer or, or a you know, like constant movie, but. 
I think what's cool about it is that, um, or, or like what, what people are confused about is that they see these amazing images and then they're like, that's what I got to do. Yeah, and I have they, to be that good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but also that they they sort of they miss out on the whole idea that that it's about design. That's why mm. you're a concept artist. And a lot of people that I see in the industry, sadly, uh, I don't think are necessarily designers, or they're they're not schooled as designers, at least. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, for me, it's like, yeah, great that you can paint an awesome painting. I wanna, you know, we we you always need one person that can do that, or you 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 will need that, but. A lot of times we take in freelancers to do that. Like the mm. the main thing that's important for us is that uh, you can design things because it's going to be like, hey, we need this new outfit, we need this new, we're making, uh, you know, whatever, like this prop new or weapon this weapon, or, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. You need to figure out how this thing works, how mm. it's going to shoot. You need to talk to the game design team. You need to talk to the VFX artist. You need to and. You need to do the research. You need to do the design. You need to do everything. Does and, it fit in the art direction? Does it fit in the world? Yeah, fit with yeah. people? You know, like even when you concept design, like a gun, like you know, what does the safety look like? What does the trigger look like? Why would it look like that? Well, because the guy's fired it five hundred times, and maybe it's maybe custom fitted for his finger because he's so powerful that he needs a custom grip. Because you know, like this is like the problem solving aspect that I think like you're talking about people miss with concept design, and that's why obviously now I think even people don't call them concept artists anymore. It is concept designers because you're designing and you're problem solving on a daily basis for, for your team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's the whole thing. You're supposed to make sure as a concept designer that, you know, like this is this, like it's communicated to the player that it's exciting for the player that it's, uh, and, and that all the other teams have what they need in order to design things. So, I mean, sometimes concept designing can simply be mm-hmm. shit. We need a, uh, we need a VFX. And that could be that you, you find references, you create mood boards, you do quick overpaints, you do red pens, you know, and that's all the work you need to do because your work is not going into the game. Your work is making sure that other people's work go into the game. Yeah. Uh, um, I've even seen guys who are concept designers have had to turn their hand to storyboards really quick, you know, just to get something out. You know what I mean? Like it, it just depends where you're needed. And I think with that concept design job, sometimes you just have to be like almost a jack of all trades, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so I think it's it's one of those things where it's uh, concept design is, uh, yeah, it's definitely like um, it's definitely hard, mm-hmm. but I think the main thing behind that, for me at least, is mm-hmm. that it's hard to find designers, you know, people that are actually interested in designing things and are yeah. trained to be designers, yeah. rather than people that like painting, because painting there's plenty of people that like to do. Of course. But no, it, it's, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a very clear thing I think we talk about in the, the show often than we have since since day one is that there's plenty of people who can draw pretty pictures but then it's how is that functional how is that helping the team how is that cohesive and the vision that we're trying to create and it's uh it's difficult it really is something you have to um build over a couple of years and, and maybe even decades of, of working and stuff and and, uh, and the, the job has evolved so definitely from when I first left my job in 2011 2012 like you know art station was even a thing you know cg hub was kind of where everybody went there was a concept art world but like you know the job itself concept artist was still very new and you know it wasn't like a a, a decades old job i mean because the games industry itself isn't that old when you think about it because you know compared to like the film industry like we're yeah. still in the infancy of what will be our our, our careers you know 100 years from now yeah. how our jobs look so yeah, and I mean it's gonna keep changing. Like that's the I think that's another thing is that 
we haven't seen nothing yet you know like it's it's uh i think i think being sort of a jack of all trades type of person is pretty useful when you're a concept artist because uh it's about communicating ideas fast and you know if you can get your ideas out really quickly that's really important yeah we were talking about this other day when we were talking about how close the productions on films are getting towards games now because uh a lot of the guys I know who work on films now, there's some guys I know don't even draw or paint. They just make everything in 3D and take snapshots because it's so much quicker turnaround-wise, you know, for directors. Like, you know, we need five or six shots by the end of the day. Cool. Give me two seconds. I'll take some photos in Unreal. You know, or Blender. You know, whatever's to hand and, and the tools have evolved so quickly. I mean, Jan Urschel and uh, a couple of the guys that I know on that side of it. I mean, even you look at um, uh, Yava Yurbev, like, you know, uh, Yama, sorry. Um, Yama's production now is making 3d assets for people to use in, in uh, film production you know yeah, so yeah. the whole discipline has changed so rapidly um yeah. it's almost a oh, lost yeah. now yeah, yeah yeah but it's it's really fun it's i like i i love to see all the you know interesting ways people take their designs and and all the interesting uh directions that they go in with uh with you know their methods and, and stuff um, but I, I think, like, for me, it's always more interesting to look at, you know, I can look at an image and I can be like, that's a pretty image. But if it has an interesting design as well, that's yeah. more interesting to me personally, because I, I just, I, I enjoy to see when people have solved the problem, you know, uh, uh, there's, there's, uh, ah, there's some TV shows where you see that they really succeeded and you're like, oh, that's so clever. I love yeah. the, the Expanse, for example, like the way. Oh, they, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing, so. it's really been tearing things up. I mean, like it's the whole thing with AI now as well, where people talk about, oh, you know, AI is coming to get our jobs. And I mean, even the one I've been pre- playing with recently, which is Art Breeder, mm-hmm. um, which makes you know these huge landscapes with just a click of a button, and they do look incredible. But um, you still need to go and you know, like even it's like fifty percent of the work, you still need to do the other fifty percent to tidy it up and and make it look like something presentable or something that feels like you know, there's. There's never going to be a sense where like those tools will go away. Even people have talked about, you know, the 3D stuff and we just talked about with Yama and stuff and Yan using 3D for, for film production. It really is a time thing. And people say like, oh, you know, drawing's going to go away or painting traditionally is going to go away. Those things will always give you an upper hand. Like if you can draw or paint to an extent and have fundamental foundation skills, um, those will never not be a positive, right? They, those will always be things that can help yeah. you in a pinch. Um, I think also like just design work in general will never go away. Like, cause like you said, you still have to make something out of it, even though you have it, but, but yeah, you know, it's, 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 uh, I like you say, it's like we're in a, this shift or we're at a constant shift really, like with this industry, like there's always new things happening around the corner. And right now we're, we're in a, a transition maybe where uh, yeah. people are learning how to use these new tools mm-hmm. and and how to show restraint as well or like you know what to keep from the old and what to keep from the new and yeah i mean these these things will always be tools they'll never be a replacement for fundamental skills or or like you say design language or no it's the same thing with the music industry for example yeah. of course like they, it's always been like i remember i saw this interview of uh i think trent Reznor from managed nails where he, he was talking about you know uh, yeah, I mean, there's it's way easier to make music these days technically, but mm-hmm. there still hasn't been, you know, like 
if you don't have natural rhythm or something, yeah, like you're still yeah. going to struggle to make music. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, still, yeah. Still, still hard work, like still creative yeah. work that you have to put in, and an AI can probably do it for you, but it yeah. probably sound like a lot of other stuff that an AI has done. Like you know, like it'll, yeah. 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 I mean, there was a whole thing where, like, we were talking about the Art Reader program uh, that I just that I've been using. And then, you know, I was speaking to one of the guys who helped kind of make it at one point, and he was saying, "Yeah, it's it's a it's a great program. You know, if you're staring at a blank canvas, 100 percent, like it will help you." But um, the, one of the problems he finds with that stuff is that you know it'll get to a point where you'll see the same patterns in every painting, and people will start to really tell when you're using that as a crutch. And um, it's the same with 3D assets. You know, with Mega Scans, for example, in Unreal, like you know. There's only so many things you can use within that library before people start to be like, cool, like half your scene is mega scans. Like, you know, did you design anything yourself? You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's got to be a, that, that's why those fundamental skills are key because they give you originality because, you know, you can import a model of like a Japanese shrine or something. But if you hand draw something yourself, then like that's where the uniqueness comes in. That's where the, the appeal, the, the thing that makes it look cool, you know, like it's, um, you could copy and paste stuff in and out of, of scenes, but, um, then you start to lose the whole aspect of what it is to be an artist, right? Yeah, and I also think that there's a danger. Like, um, I remember when I started, I've never gone to proper art education. You know, like, yes, like, I went to the game assembly, but I'll, half the work I did there was like, um, you know, like that was like 3D work and, and mm. like essentially learning to work in a teams and stuff more than anything. Yeah, um, and, Which is a huge uh, skill as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, Definitely, fifty percent of working at studio is is learning how to be in a team and how to communicate with people. Because if you can't do that, then you can't. You're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, like I remember that for me, uh, I was like uh, working a lot with the struggle of that you know being a digital artist without having the fundamentals of a traditional artist. Like you know, I've always I've drawn right, but mm-hmm. you on paper and stuff but i've never done you know color theory properly or anything like that and then you get confronted with all these now with this infinite world of choices of course and you're just like how the fuck do i go from you know what what, what does this even mean how does this yeah. work uh, how do you and, photoshop bro <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly just photoshop it um <laughs> but i think i think that's the that's the whole thing about like um today as well that that um if you if you basically skip over if you just go copy paste too much um then you're missing out on learning some of those fundamental skills that will really help you in the in the long run yeah i mean i've done a a kind of maya modeling course recently where i was trying to just build on some of those foundations and the guy i spoke to who runs the course um you know uh he was saying that you know, he, it can take him like 30 hours to teach the course, but it can take you 3,000 hours to master those skills. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just because you've sat and done a course by Craig Mullins or something or watched him paint for a couple of hours doesn't mean you're going to come out of that and, <laughs> and know how to use those skills, uh, wow. especially in a real world setting. So, I think it's also one of those things that was interesting about uh, brushes. Uh, you know, if you you know the old like, oh, I want to get those Photoshop brushes because they're going to make oh me an awesome artist. Yeah. What brush yeah. are you using? The first question every time. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think I think the point there as well is that uh, you you don't really like you can take process brushes, but mm-hmm. those are just customized tools. For oh that yeah, person. yeah, yeah. That yeah. they have worked with for you know years and if you don't know how to uh how to properly use those tools then 
might as well not use them because they're going to be useless to you. Like, you know, you're not going to get the same. You're probably going to get worse results than if you just use what you've already been using. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of, you know, that's always interesting. I mean, like some of the best brushes I've seen are, are ones that really bring texture to paintings, I think, is the stuff that I find really interesting. Like, I think that's what I love about a lot of your landscape work is like it has such texture. That's really what appeals me towards what you're painting and what you're trying to design. Oh, um, and uh, I think that's one of the things that people miss out is when they start using like the hard rounds and stuff like, you know, it's like it gets to a point everything just looks smudged and it's like, you know, they're blending stuff so much that you're like, oh, you're just losing every piece of detail that you're building. Like you just keep going over and then just make it fuzzy again. Like, you know, it's people are so uh, scared to commit to lines. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, so, I like working like one layer, honestly. I am. I'm always like, uh, you know, like traditionally painting basically. Yeah. And uh, if I'm not working in one layer, like for example, now I'm, I'm currently working in, three layers technically because i have a uh i have a a layer and then a clipping mask and like a color but i'm gonna merge that soon uh, yeah, yeah because it, it's it's like one of those things where i like to do it until i decide to merge it and then i merge it and then it's like okay now this is you know i'm not gonna really go back anymore because this is better than what i had before of course um but but what's cool about it is that you learn that you can always paint the paint it again you know, like, and obviously some things you want to be a little smart about and save, but of course. in most cases, it's, it's okay. Like you can, you can get away with, uh, with a lot of stuff. I mean, it's just a thing where I think people are too afraid of, um, you know, making the mistake and then be like, oh, you know, it's ruined now. Like I've done the one mark out of place that it shouldn't be in. I need to go back and redesign the whole thing. You know, yeah. you know, you can totally, <laughs> you can, you can brush over it. It's all good. Like nothing's, nobody's going to die. Like you're all good. So, um. Uh, yeah, it's one of these things where it's even I started embracing just drawing with, with pens more than pencils because uh, it does give you that whole um, commit thing. Like you, you need to be able to commit when you're drawing with like an ink pen, you know, like a biro or a mm. brush pen because, uh, you know, you can't erase that stuff. But then it does give you a confidence to not be as um, tame when you're designing stuff and, and your lines will be a bit more bolder and your silhouettes a bit more sharp. I love so, uh, I love brush pens, by the way. They're great. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the. It was funny though when we went to meet uh, Kim Jong Ji at THU, and uh, they asked him about some of his most irritating questions. And one of them was every time was like, "What was the brush pen he was using?" Like every time, every <laughs> single demo we went to, every course, people were like, "What's the brush pen you're using?" I was like, "Fucking shut up!" <laughs> <laughs> just had enough of it. Like he was like, "Like who cares? Like it's a brush pen. Like you can buy you can buy them anywhere. There's so many of them. Just like pick the one you want and and uh." Because it's a thing where, like you were talking about brushes, like it's the same with any utensil. You know, people will look at that and say, oh, you know, I need to get that brush pen or I need to get that brush or pencil or paint on that canvas or use that type of sketchbook or I need to get an iPad Pro because everybody uses Procreate now. Like, it, I think so much of art um, in any medium, especially when you look traditional paintings and painters, um, is that you need to find what works for you. Yeah, 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 I mean, a hundred percent. Like, I think, I think the best thing you can do is just figure out sort of what your preferences are mm -hmm. by just doing it, and then the, you know, like, you just borrow stuff. Yeah. Like, you see a video, you know, with someone, and they do something cool, and you're like, oh, I want to try that. I'll do that. Yeah. yeah. And then you 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 pick that up, and you go for that, and you don't yeah. use all of it. Like, you know, all of that isn't gonna help you. Like, you pick the ones, the things that make sense to you. And then you build your own repository of knowledge 
mm-hmm. your own like library, your own way of doing things, and that will be your thing. And I think like uh, one of the earlier things I remember uh, back when you know like Constart was still a thing, like Constart.org and stuff, or or Com or whatever it was called, mm-hmm. um, that that people were like, oh, you need to have a style, you know, right? It was the whole. Oh, good, yeah. Think, yeah, I still think to this day it's it's a thing where where people are looking for their style. But your style is, you know, just how you paint. And if you just paint and just find your own way of painting, you will have a style eventually. Like that's just part of it. You can't not have a style. Kind of. Style just comes from just never stopping. Like you get to a point where you've drawn so much that, you know, and you incorporate different things like I love this movie, I love this artist, or I love this yeah. brush. And then you do that over and over and over and over again until eventually you're like, all right, cool. The person I've drawn looks like the person I would draw. You know, like there's people I can even, you know, uh, look at people's work now and I'm like, oh, I know who that is, like straight away. Um, like Thomas Chamberlain Keane, like when I look at his stuff now, TCK, like every time he puts out a painting, there's a painting that goes up on Facebook and I'm scrolling, I'm like, okay, well, there's Thomas's new stuff. Like, you know, like yeah. people get to that point, even the same with your stuff, like, you know, you, you'll post like a study or something, like, oh, there's one of Eric's paintings, you know, like it's, it's, you get to a point and that's why people are like how do you build style and it's 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 amalgamating everything that you've ever learned from everybody into one cohesive canvas and then eventually you know the, the hundreds of things you've learned from different people um eventually becomes you know it's, it's like life in general you have so many different life experiences from so many people like the person who raised you the person who was your first kiss the person who was the good teacher when you were at high school like eventually 10 20 years later when you come out the other end you're a unique person because of all those things that were you know along the way and it's the same yeah, art. monumental in in, in uh, teaching you how to be yeah essentially basically yeah so um one of these things but then again it's the, it's the mileage you've got to put it in you can't develop an art style by sitting staring at your sketchbook it's uh, uh and we're all guilty of it and spe- especially me like you know it's you know, you want to try and uh, define your art style. You want to try and make headway into what you're doing, but um, you really just need to sit down and do yeah, the thing. And it's a pain in the ass some days. Like, uh, I, I don't think there's uh, any artist who doesn't have days where they're just like, I don't want to paint today. Oh, dude, like, with the fucking world sometimes, the way it's like, yeah, yeah. You, just, you just can't help but like uh, be just bombed out by stuff. But um, it depends how you look at art sometimes. I know people who use art basically to escape. You know, just to to, um, to really uh, block out the world and and um, you know get on with with uh, what they want to do. Um, I mean, there's also so much stuff that's like for me personally. Like I've been I've been doing. Um, you know, I I don't I can't just do one thing. Like there's some people that can sit and they can paint forever. You know, like right. like yeah. every day there's a new painting coming out and. It's the mm-hmm. only thing they do is paint, which is, you know, great if you can do that. I can't do that personally. Like I, mm-hmm. because, because I, I want to do more. Like I, I want to do, I don't want, just want to do a painting. I want to make it come alive. You know, I want to make a game or I want to do a project or, yeah. and, and for me, it's like half of the art that I do in my spare time is writing art direction documents. Like I, I've, I've written now, I think three big project documents. Uh, right in the last few weeks, just because I was like, I had these ideas that I've had for a long time, it would be great to do something with it. But instead of thinking about it, I need to actually, you know, decide what they're going to be. And so I sat down and I, I wrote the proper document and uh, mm-hmm. good practice as well, by the way. Yeah. Um, 
And I just, uh, you know, that's also like a type of art in a way. Like I, I look at that and I'm like, okay, you know, this informs a lot of on the color theory. This, and that's practice. That's a, it's a different type of practice. But mm-hmm. I mean, there's those kind of things you can do as well. Besides just painting, you can also, I don't know, say the 3D, for example, or. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that kind of predetermines people who usually tend to be art directors is that you can kind of turn your hand to anything. Um, because then it means that when you're on a project like yours, you know, like you said, if you need to go and speak to some of the art, to the art team, you know, great, you've got that down, but then like, cool, 3D needs a bit of a hand, right? Okay. Well, I know roughly how we do, you know, I've been in Maya and Blender enough that I know, you know, I can talk to those people in, in their language. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, or VFX needs something, right? Great. You know, okay. Animation needs something, you know, and because you're a bit multifaceted about what you do, then sure, you know, like, um it helps in that aspect that you know you can mold and it's like being able to speak more than one language right like you, yeah, you yeah. get an advantage in a bar because you can talk to anybody um yeah, yeah. yeah and i i love it uh, personally like i love that i can i have an insight like one of the best things about my job is seeing what other people make during the day you know it's like you get to see all these cool things being developed by the prop team or the you know the animation team or the character team and you can sort of be a part of a little bit of all of it um and, and that's that's a really cool feeling of like just seeing the whole game grow at the same time from different angles and of course. Uh, yeah i love that personally yeah i think it's one of these things where um it depends where you want to go with your art you know i think if you were going to be um purely an illustrator and that's all you want to do with your life then sure you need to spend thousands of hours in your sketchbook or on photoshop and just constantly training that that muscle um but if you're looking to be involved in a team or make something like a game then um the more multi-diverse you are the more ways you can turn your hand to different disciplines then sure that's going to be a a more attractive thing to uh people who hire you than uh than just being skilled in one thing um so yeah i think the thing is that i always tell people is that no matter what you want to do in art, there's always going to be a job for you. You don't have to pander to people. You don't have to um, sacrifice things that you want just because you want to work in a team. Um, you'll People will always find a way to incorporate you if you're good enough. And um, yeah, I think it's one of these things as well where I learned early on that, um, you know, I went, I went to a lot of these events in 2016 and watched people like Titus Lunner and a couple of different guys um, who, you know, at that time were trying to draw yeah. some gathering and stuff. And you looked at their stuff and you were like, cool, so I need to make art like that. And uh so much of my early career was dictated by what I thought I should paint instead of what I wanted to paint, right? Yeah, uh, no, I totally get that. Yeah, it's very common. Um, so yeah, so probably a good place to stop. Um, we, we've chatted for about an hour, but um, yeah, yeah. and I've, I've I've yet to see your results. Um, for those guys who are watching the the now edited episode, um, Eric's been painting in the background while I've been chatting to him, so. Um, the result will be on your screen now, but I've yet to see it, so I'm sure I'll be like, "Oh, that's amazing!" So I'll just, <laughs> I'll just guess whatever you've drawn is really good. So yeah, it's um, just, uh, it's just a little character design. Uh, it's actually one of my IP things that I'm just, I'm just fiddling around with some nice. thoughts and some ideas and seeing what I can do with uh, nice. this. We'll see how it turns out. I'm, I'm not yeah. necessarily that happy with it, but it's, it's a thing. Of course, of course. It's one of these things where it's, uh, you know, your mind isn't completely on it anyway because you're obviously talking to me. So um, there'll be a, an element of what it would have looked like if you were just doing it without speaking. So yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be fun to to see it uh, in its yeah. fruition. So yeah, yeah. Well, uh, thanks for coming on, Eric, and, and talking, yeah, chatting course. away. Um, 
it was it was really good to have you and uh, i hope you enjoyed it yeah definitely fun to be here and uh yeah we've been talking about this for a long time so it's, it was, uh, it was good but to finally do it yeah, man. i agreed um so yeah if you haven't uh, already um i'll leave links to uh eric's work if you want to check it out and uh all his socials will be below so you can check his art station and all these different things and uh yeah if you have any questions pop them in the comments um, um you can always get in touch with them as well through art station if you need to and uh yeah i'm sure you'd be happy to, to answer any questions you have um Absolutely. yeah totally um yeah also um with the podcast uh thanks to you guys who have stuck about it uh, this long to the end um always appreciate you guys coming along to listen to another episode um if you have any suggestions for any future guests or you want to talk to me about anything in particular about the art cast you can always check our discord below um, and join if you want to um, check out some of the artists that are on there and uh yeah you can show your work you can talk about art um, anything else in between that comes up and uh yeah that's that's pretty much it for this episode um yeah uh, again check out the links below um join the discord give us a like and a comment and uh, make sure to share and uh thanks again to you guys for listening thanks for, for coming on and uh, see you guys in the next episode Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.